0: A lot has happened this past week in the news. Uh, the president's statement last Friday on churches reopening, you probably heard that. Thousands of churches across California are choosing to move ahead of state government guidelines and resume gatherings early. And I want to say this we know and love and respect a lot of those churches. Absolutely. But in love, I want to be clear for the sake of our community that Park Hill Church will not be moving in that direction ahead of government guidelines. As Park Hill leadership, we sense the spirit leading us to join with a much bigger group of churches who are choosing to follow state guidelines and honor Mayor Faulkner, and Governor Newsom and listen well to the scientific community, including medical professionals and toxicologists from within our own church that I've been in dialogue with. So, so our plan is not just to do what's legal, but to do what is wise and loving. Uh, again, nothing, nothing against other churches. This is for us sensing what the Spirit is calling us to do. And this means that we'll likely be behind what is quote-unquote allowed not ahead of it. On Monday, tomorrow, the CDC is supposed to be releasing new guidelines for churches. And as those guidelines trickle down, stay tuned, stay tuned to the Park Hill Weekly. I don't know if you knew this. We do a weekly update video on our YouTube channel. I know hundreds of you have been paying attention to that. Well done. So, so keep watching those updates as they come out to know how Park Hill is responding and stepping into what God wants us to do. Um, We see our next phase involving physically gathering as communities again and doing it safely and honorably with masks and social distancing. You guys are gonna be able to get creative as communities like host community brunch and do a watch party around the Sunday morning live stream. Those kinds of things, get creative as those guidelines open up. And again, our heart is to move patiently and listen well. And ultimately, listen to the Holy Spirit's leading. And, and part of that is listening and submitting to state and local governing authorities. That's like part of New Testament command. Like Romans 13 and 1 Timothy 2.2, 2, 1 Peter 2.13-14 is pretty clear. Part of being a Christian means submission to not just Caesar, but lesser governors. Um, and, and also, a part of this, we wanna listen to, to you we Park Hill leaders want to hear from Park Hill Church about how you feel about regathering again. We wanna hear from you. And so we've created a regathering survey. So if you go to our website, there's a brand new survey up as of today. Just click regathering survey. We, uh, we want you to fill it out. We wanna get a sense of how we're all processing this moment and the idea of gathering again in different ways. So So that's... That's where we're listening, Um, honoring government, listening to local medical professionals and listening to you all underneath really this activity of listening to the spirit in this crazy moment. So for now, keep showing up to Zoom prayer and Zoom communities. And I know we're all longing for physical community right now, but let me encourage you, it's just a season. It's like an emotional winter. We're feeling that. Uh, to everything there's a season and this is not the season for hugs it's not the season for visiting your friends this is the season to sense in the winter what god might be speaking to us and if we're rebellious or if we're super opinionated and loud about paul whatever uh we might miss what god is saying in the winter when our eyes are so set on summer coming again um So all the practices that we've been talking about, like scripture meditation and listening prayer, it's all for this. It's all for listening to the spirit in this moment. So Park Hill, we're leaving behind May and we're stepping into June and I have no idea how long this phase will last and all the medical pros, the really smart people, they don't know either. I had one MD tell me yesterday, I do not have a crystal ball. And I think that's very accurate for all of us right now. So let's cultivate patience in this time. All right. So that was a heavy announcement, an important announcement, but we're going to get into the scriptures right now. So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter one and Ariel, our pastor of kids, she's going to come and read from Acts chapter one.
1: Okay, Acts chapter 1, we're going to read verses 6 through 14. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath-day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women in Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Praise God. Yeah. Thanks, Ariel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you come now, uh, just wash our minds with your scriptures and with your presence. We want to hear what you say to your church in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, Uh, we just read from Acts 1. Today we finish our series that we've been calling Practicing Resurrection. We've been asking the question in this moment of uncertainty, how can we practically root our lives in the presence of God and become more like Jesus during this time, not less? (laughs) I don't know about you, but it's been easy to slip into being less like Jesus when the pressure's on right now for me. So this sermon, this teaching today, is sort of the mountaintop moment for this series. We cannot practice the resurrection life of Jesus unless we receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's the title of the sermon. It's a theme of the day, and it's even more than that. Um, None of the practices we've talked about, like scripture meditation, listening prayer, Sabbath, holy noticing, all of that. None of them make sense apart from opening yourself to the presence and power of the spirit in your life. So some of you might be wondering, okay, Evan, if that's so important, why did we wait to the end of the sermon series to talk about the spirit? Why don't we talk about it in the beginning? Great question. Here's why. Receive the spirit. That's not just the title of this teaching or the end of a series, but we as Park Hill leadership, Elders and staff, we truly feel this is a significant moment of transition for who we are and where God wants us to go as a church. So today's teaching is going to accomplish a few things. Number one, it'll wrap the series. Number two, it'll preview, it's like a trailer, it'll preview what's to come in a new series, a new season, really, starting next Sunday. And number three, ultimately, the prayers that you experience more of God's presence in your life and you learn to receive the Holy Spirit daily, be filled with the Spirit in communion and fellowship with God, Um, not just this week, but for the rest of your life. So to get us going, we started out reading from chapter one of Acts. Acts is a history. I'm so thankful we have this history of the very first churches ever planted after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. And next week, we're looking at Acts 2, uh, where the Holy Spirit like comes dramatically and empowers the first Jesus followers to be the church and advance the kingdom. Um, but here in chapter one, before the Spirit comes, the disciples ask Jesus this question. So it'll go up on the screen, Acts 1-6. Here's their question. Lord, are you at this time? going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So you can hear their uncertainty here. They're still unsure and uncertain. They were staring at the crucified and risen Jesus, so there's zero doubt that he's the Messiah for them right now. And so they're going one plus one equals two. If he's the Messiah, and they know the Old Testament scriptures, that the Messiah would bring healing and peace and get rid of the bad guys— but it wasn't adding up because their problems weren't gone yet. Rome was still oppressing them. Um, they were nervous still to leave their houses. They wanted Jesus to bring the kingdom of God and make everything go back to normal. Back to flourishing. So they had these old memories of Eden. Perfect garden. Or so, you know, some say perfect. Perfect. Uh, this idea of paradise and this idea of the golden age of Israel's kings, they wanted, like, when are you going to bring that thing? That feels good. Um, Where there's no major problems, just shalom. Uh, So they're like, Jesus, are we there yet? Now would be great. Can you bring the kingdom now? And I don't know about you, I can resonate with this so much. Feeling unresolved and uncertain. It's like, Jesus, now would be really great. Like, bring back, like, concerts and weddings and church gatherings. I mean, Dave, our worship leader friend here, he's going to get married. Right smack in COVID. Hopefully things are more opened up. It's like, Lord, there's so much unresolved going on around us. And for sure, like, no more political fighting. And for sure, no more masks. Like, come on, just healing and flourishing. Bring it. Bring it, Lord. And and here's Jesus' response to them. It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus, he's like, I'm not giving you a timetable. That's the father's business. That's his space. But here's yours. You will receive power when my spirit comes on you. Why is that? Why is that what Jesus wants them to hear? Because when it comes to the kingdom of God, there's no such thing as back to normal. There's only forward to new creation. In this moment, Jesus is showing us something central about the way the kingdom advances. As Jesus followers, totally, we suffer. Some suffer way more than others, as we're very aware right now. And we struggle because of sin and horrible things happen beyond our control. But for the new family of Jesus, empowered by the spirit, all of this is headed somewhere. You guys, all of this is moving toward this new thing. God is going to birth that is universe wide. So the disciples are asking, Lord, are we there yet? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus was going to bring the kingdom, but for Jesus, it was going to look a lot bigger than just Israel, okay? Here it is, this is his answer. Verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, okay? You'll receive my power to tell the world about me and live like me everywhere and everything will change and this kingdom is not going to retreat ever every other kingdom will be retreating this is what Jesus is telling them so so he's giving him power Jesus is giving his followers power to go from the normal to beyond the normal to all the ends of the earth and and guys there's going to be a lot of unprecedented moments so this journey will involve beauty, and it'll be complex, and uncertain, and there'll be joy, and there'll be even excruciating pain. When Jesus says you'll be my witnesses, that word is martyr in the Greek. It's gonna, it's gonna hurt. Um, I think I've heard, and it's all, it's, it's all headed somewhere more incredible than you can imagine. If you've heard the word unprecedented a million times these last two months, like I have. Uh, you wanna know what the most unprecedented thing is going to be ever, is new creation. <laughs> and and Jesus' new creation is breaking in through his spirit-empowered church. One day, Jesus will be back to make all things new, but until then, he's making many things new through many sons and daughters in this unprecedented journey towards new creation. When God's space, when God's space and our space are fully united again, the Garden of Eden, way back then, just a sample, just, just a, a shadow of the beauty and relationship and unity that we're going to have with the Father, Son, and Spirit in the new heavens and new earth, the kingdom, when it fully comes. That's where this thing is headed, you guys. That's where Jesus is bringing us. And until then, right now, in the era of COVID, uh, 2020, uh, for this journey, you will be. Receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So, church family, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Do you want help navigating uncertainty? Do you want the power to be the person of love God sees you becoming? The way to get there, receive the Holy Spirit. Live in step with the spirit, to use Paul's language. So, so listen to Jesus. You will receive power when my spirit comes on you. And then the next thing he says in Acts 1.9, he says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. I don't know what sci-fi madness this is. Um, so many people picture this scene in different ways. Like Jesus, is it like a beam up? Is it like a, like he floated up? What's going on here? Uh, all, all we know for sure is this moment is what's commonly called the ascension. Some theologians call it the exaltation of Jesus. It's the moment Jesus' risen physical body passed into God's dimension of reality, to use N.T. Wright's words. I'm going somewhere with this. This is a huge moment in the story of God's uh, saving of humanity. So Jesus will be back on the day when God's dimension and our physical dimension are brought together and there's no duality anymore and there's new creation. This is what the angels are talking about in verse 10 and 11 of this chapter when he's like, hey, why are you standing gawking at the sky? He's coming back the same way he left, uh, which is wild to think about. So, so Jesus's ascension has been misunderstood and it's confused people all, the, all through history. And it actually deserves its own teaching series. So we're not going to be able to unpack it here. But for right now, I just want to point out two things about Jesus' ascension. Number one, this is the moment Israel had been waiting for. This moment. Whatever day on the calendar this landed on, they were waiting for this day for centuries. Back in Daniel 7, it was prophesied that the Son of Man, when he's given the power over the universe by the father, he would ascend to the father. In Daniel, it called him the ancient of days. And he would be given uh, authority and power over all human and demonic governments. And this is happening now in Acts 1. So here's the ancient prophecy in Daniel up on the screen. Daniel 7. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days. That's God. And was led into his presence, and he, the Son of Man, was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Okay, that prophecy, that hope, it was the shape of Israel's heart. It was their longing, and it was being literally fulfilled in this moment of Jesus' ascension. And this is still our hope. We still hope in this right now because Jesus' authority is now supreme over all crazy human governments, all evil spiritual power that are competing for your heart politically and cannot, all the different machinations that are happening all over the, the world that we'll never see. Jesus' government, his kingdom will outlast all of that. And we will be with him forever. <laughs> In the new heaven and new earth, this is what Jesus' ascension means. It grounds our whole hope, which leads to number two. Here's the second thing it means. Jesus' ascension means we get the gift of the Spirit. We get it. We get to receive the presence and power of God in our midst. Paul says it like this in his letter to the Ephesians, uh, chapter four, verse four. He says, there's one body and one, what? What? One spirit. There's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, faith, baptism, one God and Father. Verse seven. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, get this. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Okay, what's going on there? Paul is saying when Jesus ascended, he took many captives. That's all the evil governments and all the demonic powers. Jesus took them captive forever when Jesus ascended. And Colossians 2 says he actually put them to shame, which is awesome. Um, And the second thing, he gave gifts. So he took captive the evil and he gave good gifts to his people. This is what happened at Jesus ascension. And what are those gifts? The next verses, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service. So the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God, we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So you guys, the gifts that the exalted, ascended Jesus gives are you. You. Holy Spirit-filled people, me, he's giving me as a gift to you, and he gives you as a gift to me. Holy Spirit-filled people are the gift because, listen, there's work to be done. We build one another up. We encourage one another, especially when we're detached like this. There's work to be done. Yes, Jesus is king, but guess what? That kingdom is still coming. It's not fully covered the earth as the ancient prophets envisioned there's still sickness as we are very well aware and suffering and sin and death but that kingdom is coming yes jesus is king but we are still in a spiritual battle with a doomed enemy and right now in this moment of quarantine and pandemic there are lots of political powers and conspiracy theories that are competing for your heart right now. Um, There's a lot of that going on. But do you want to know what the real conspiracy is? The real conspiracy, I love how John Tyson says it. A couple weeks ago, he said, The real conspiracy is satanic, and its goal is to get you to focus on global meta-whatevers that you can do almost nothing about and neglect the place of prayer, the word, and sacrificial love of neighbor come on. Uh, So Park Hill Church, listen to Jesus. He's taken the throne. He has power over all evil. He's the king of kings. He's the governor of governors, and every president on earth reports ultimately and will be judged by Jesus Christ, the president of presidents, to use modern language for the ancient king of kings. And in his final words, he says this, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive my power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So if you're a Christian here, you already have the indwelling of the Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 makes that clear. As, as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, you are a adopted son or daughter of the creator. <laughs> and so his Spirit now lives in you to seal you in his family Forever okay? And that's beautiful. We're indwelt by the Spirit. By the way, if you're not a Christian, you're watching this, you've never admitted your need for God and uh, cried out to Jesus as Lord, then you're invited. You're invited into this family. The gates are open wide. Jesus has made the way possible through his crucifixion and resurrection. Come to Jesus. Receive the indwelling of the Spirit. So if you're a Christian, you have that indwelling. But listen, all Christians, all of us, need to keep being filled with the spirit keep receiving the power to become like Jesus not less like Jesus but more like him every day so church family listen what if what if this what if this season was a release lever it was like a release button that we need in order to shift finally shift and live into a posture of openness to the presence of God. I think that's what this moment is. Since the beginning of planting Park Hill Church, even before our launch, uh, how many of you were at our Christmas Eve launch in 2017? Uh, I don't know. I, I see you. I see that hand, I guess. Uh, but like, it seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> it seems like a whole nother life. Um, but we, since then, since before then, we've been praying that our church would be a word and spirit church. A church of both theological depth, word, scripture, and drenched in the power of the Holy Spirit. That we dig, dig deep into whole books of the Bible and discover what they mean for us in the 21st century and then practice it. And I think, I think that part, digging deep in scripture, I think we've been doing that as well as we can. And so many great conversations with many of you that are growing in the scriptures. It's wonderful. And for these two and a half years, while we've been focusing on the word, it's almost like the Holy Spirit has just been assumed. We've talked about him a lot. We've mentioned the Spirit a ton, like how the Spirit is the one who unites us with the Father and Son, and the Spirit is the one who gives us power to change, to become like Jesus and all of that. That's great. That's great. But we haven't set aside time in the scriptures to get a full-on biblical theology, a whole Bible picture of who the Spirit is and what he is. We haven't spent time getting a biblical theology of the Spirit until now. Okay? Starting next week, we will be setting aside a good chunk of the summer to dive in headfirst and discover the Holy Spirit together. An extended season of receiving the Holy Spirit. It all starts next Sunday, which, by the way, happens to be Pentecost Sunday, the day on the church calendar where we remember the day the Spirit came and birthed the church. For us, this is more than a series, this will be more than just another teaching uh, series. This is a transition moment for us as a church, a next step forward for Park Hill. Uh, we're getting ready to re enter physical gatherings. We're planning, we're being patient, but we're thinking forward in that way. We're making plans uh, and the church is going to look different. We know that. Everything is looking different, but the church is going to look different. And that is like, to me, I get giddy thinking of the possibility. I love how Craig Groeschel says it. Never waste a good crisis. And he says good because it's so extreme. Never waste a crisis uh, because it is an exciting opportunity for transition into things that we never would have otherwise because we're all aware it'll look different the number one way that we believe God wants us to look different is when we gather again we are a church that experiences more of the Spirit's power in our gatherings and in our lives we want to discover how to operate in the Spirit More and build a culture of Holy Spirit empowerment in our church where we see the sick healed. And we use spiritual gifts in the gatherings, not just the leaders, not just me, but everyone. And we shout sometimes, maybe even dance sometimes. Like we don't just read Psalm 150 where it's like instruments and dancing and singing, but we actually do it. We don't just read it. And pray as if the God of the universe, we pray as if he's leaning in to hear us on the edge of his throne and we expect him to to speak in response whether we're at home at church at the, at the office wherever else and maybe most importantly we learn how to live in step with the spirit so we actually change and become more like Jesus in our character through spirit empowered community how does that sound you guys this is this is where we sense our church is called to go. Even in a moment when we can't see each other, we're called to go here together. This is the kind of church we see Park Hill becoming, a word and spirit church in that order. We are committed to word. We'll always be committed to theological depth and digging into the scriptures together. We plan on returning to 1 Corinthians after we spend time with the Holy Spirit in this series. We. Totally will return to Paul's letter to Corinth. Uh, but right now, in this moment of change and transition, we want a comprehensive look at the whole story and ask what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean for God to reveal Himself? He will. What will that look like? What does it look like to lean forward, waiting, expecting Him to speak? And what are the manifestations in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14? Like the gifts, the spiritual manifestations, what are those all about? And like, what about speaking in tongues and prophecy and healing? And what about all the abuses of those things that many of us have seen? I know right now, a lot of us might be reacting because of past negative experiences with like spiritual gifts or charismatic church. Like, oh no, is Park Hill turning weird now? Is this gonna be weird? Like, I love the organic SoCal like no pressure vibe at Park Hill, but this sounds like weird charismatic stuff. Listen, totally get that. I feel that with you. Our dream is to follow in the footsteps of the church in the book of Acts and become that kind of community, a word and spirit driven church. Okay, we're about to come to communion right now. How, how does that sound? This is, this is where we're headed, um, where do we go from here? We've, we've talked a lot of big picture. What about you and your roommates and going back to work? Many of us are still not able to work. Some of us are in brand new jobs. Where do we go from here? What, what does this mean for my connection with God now? Uh, I, w- I would say this. If you're wondering, how, how do I receive the Spirit? Like, how do I step into this practically? This has been a very practical series with actual like practices every week. This doesn't feel very practical. It feels very, very big and cloudy, like receive the spirit. I would, I would just say, I would just leave you with this. Uh, Jesus said it simply in one word, ask. Jesus said, ask. He is a good father who loves to hear his kids ask? Here's where he says it in Matthew 7, starting in verse 9. He says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Huge rhetorical question from Jesus. (laughs) So much more. The father will be so much more prone to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask than any of us would give to our children. He's so good. So let me ask you what would it look like this week to get with your community, your family or your roommates and practice asking practice asking for more of the Holy Spirit in your life, more of his power to be patient, to love well, to to find that balance between submitting to government while praying for government while having your own opinions. You know, that's that delicate balance of being human. Sacrificially love your neighbors and the poor. Creatively contribute to the kingdom during a time that's like an emotional winter. So let's practice asking. We need the spirit for this moment. We need his presence. Like children in faith, ask the father for the gift of himself. Let's step into this, you guys. Let's step into this. There's a plane going overhead. Feels like, feels like home. Um, let's step into this posture of asking. Let's do this together. So I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna, we're gonna sing one song, and then both Scott and Ariel are gonna come and lead us in eating the bread and drinking the wine and celebrating the meal of Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and that you are that good that you give uh, the Holy Spirit to your children who are thirsty, who are hungry, It's no wonder you used food as the metaphor. If we ask for meat, fish, or an egg, that's that's the metaphor. Fathers will feed their children. Lord, you will feed us. You will nourish us. We're hungry. We're thirsty for wisdom in this time. We're thirsty for your presence. May we be a people who cry out for more, knowing full well that you've given everything that we need for godliness. You've given your whole self. But Lord, we want to be more aware of your presence. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Have your way with our church. Release us into the world as ambassadors of love and light. In Jesus' name.